the message for today. Be of good cheer. Thomas Carlyle said this, wondrous is the strength of cheerfulness and its power of endurance. The cheerful man will do more in the same time, will do it better, will preserve it longer than the sad or the sullen. What are you today? The sad or sullen or the cheerful? Now, you might think that is impossible. That is a wish uh, that can't come to pass. It can't be true because of the present circumstances. Some might even find those words offensive this morning. So imagine, if you will, for a few moments, your best friend, someone you had known for a, a number of years, someone you loved deeply, and he said these words, or she said these words, I want you to know I'm going to die, and I'm going to die very soon. Let that sink in. Imagine as well that you had no idea they were going to pass away. You had no, no idea they were sick. You had no idea that it would be so soon. How would you be feeling? Shocked? Saddened? Discouraged? Maybe denial? No! You're not going to die! I won't let it! Now, why would you feel that way? Because you're struck with the reality you're going to lose your best friend. You're going to lose someone you care about, someone you love. Maybe you're also upset because you're troubled at how such a scenario could possibly happen. One thing is for sure, you wouldn't be happy. Cheer up! Those are the words Jesus said after he said, I'm going to die. They're found in John chapter 16. In verse 32, where he said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But, say those words with me, four words with me. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That is the message Jesus Christ wanted to share with his disciples on that night when he was sharing with them numerous truths they needed to know. In fact, quite honestly, his whole message was one of encouragement. I'm sending the comforter. Uh, I want you to know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. You can go through John 14, 15, and 16 and see over and over and over again Jesus Christ saying, I got some good news for you in the midst of bad news. I got some good news for you in the midst of troubling times. I got some good news for you even though I'm going to die tomorrow. I got good news for you even though you're going to walk away from me tonight and I'm going to be all alone. I got the good news. Cheer up. And that's the message for this morning. And it was a message based on God's peace that can rule in the heart and life of every individual, no matter what is going on around us. So today, let's look at John 16, 32 and 33, and let's learn what God wants for us to, to learn about being of good cheer, or if you would, having peace. We could put it either way. The statement of peace was made by Jesus Christ before he ever said those words in verse 33. He actually made the statement of peace in verse 32, even though he didn't use those words. He said this, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. So what's the scenario? What's going on? What is Jesus talking about? By the way, after this, he says, cheer up. Crazy, right? What is wrong with him? 
He's told us he's going to die. He's told us that all these things are going to happen. And now he's telling us we're all going to leave and he's going to be left alone. Man, how can there be a message? Well, first of all, death was imminent. There was no doubt about that. Jesus was sharing that very truth. He didn't make the statement here. He actually made it earlier when he told the disciples in the upper room, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. You need to understand I'm going to die. And this is where he has this discourse and shares these things with him. But death was imminent. Jesus speaks about, look at you, behold, the hour cometh. That was a message to the disciples. My hour is come. What hour? My hour to die. My hour to give my life for the sins of the world. My hour to make my life a sacrifice for the sins of the world. My hour is come. I know it. I know tomorrow I'm going to die. I know that I will, I will be, I will suffer. I know that I will give my life for you. I know that. My hour has come. Death is imminent. But you know what Jesus said in verse 32? I still have peace. Not only did he say death was imminent, but you know, he said loneliness was a reality or would be a reality. Yeah, he says the hour has come. It's now come. And he said, you'll be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And by the way, we, we can read all about that in the, the accounts of the crucifixion, can't we? Where Jesus Christ was all alone. I mean, you know, Peter follows afar off, you know? And, and, and Peter said, I don't even know the guy. In fact, at one point, the scriptures tell us that Jesus and Peter's eyes met. Um, and Peter went out and wept bitterly because the cock crew and he uh, uh, crowed and he remembered what Jesus has said that you would deny me three times and he did. Jesus was going to be alone. He wasn't just facing death. He was going to be doing it alone. All those who promised undying support were going to leave him alone at the most trying time. But listen to his words. And yet I am not. Cheer up. I'm not alone. Yes, I may physically be alone. No one may be with me. Everyone may turn their back. People may deny me. Yes, I understand that. My hour has come. The reality is I'm going to die. Jesus wasn't ignoring that fact. Jesus wasn't saying, oh, it's not going to happen. Jesus wasn't saying, okay, we're just going to get over this. This is a little blip in, in the mat. And he's saying, no, look, I understand the gravity of the situation we are in right now. Does that sound like any government official right at this moment? I understand the seriousness of the crisis. Cheer up. I understand that not only am I going to die tomorrow, but I also am going to do it and I'm going to be all alone. But it doesn't matter. I have peace in my heart that no one can take. I'm not alone. The Father is with me. And so the statement of peace is made in the midst of turmoil by Jesus Christ in verse 32. It's no wondering, wonder then he can come to the end of verse 33. He can talk about peace and then he can say, say be of good cheer. Even though he made this statement, he still had peace within. Even though he knew what was coming, he still had peace within. And what an encouragement. So you say, well, well, where is it? All right, let me share with you the second thing, the source of peace in turmoil. 
not just the statement of peace in verse 32, but I want you to see the source of peace in turmoil. Verse 33, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Cheer up! It's not, it's not the end of the world. It isn't. It isn't now. It won't be until God says so. And then he'll make a new one. See, these things are all in God's hands. But notice what he shares in verse 33 to encourage them. He says there's a source of peace. Now, first of all, understand peace is not in a place. Notice what he shares. He says, I've spoken these things unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. The world will bring tribulation. Now, there is no doubt what Jesus meant that these people would face persecution which would threaten them and threaten their lives. And that was very true, wasn't it? I mean, you look in the book of Acts and you see a bunch of people. Is this on, by the way? Okay, because I'm just hearing feedback or something today. So, But I know we're working on it. We are working on it. Okay. So, um, but Jesus Christ, uh, it's, as far as I just lost my train of thought because I went, all right. Uh, so let me, the world will bring tribulation. Um, Jesus told them that, that they would face persecution. I, I knew what I was saying. In the book of Acts, the, the children of God face persecution over and over and over and over again. But it's interesting to me that when Jesus said this, he says, in the world ye shall have tribulation that the word tribulation isn't necessarily persecution per se. Do you know what the word literally means? Pressure. Pressure. It certainly can imply, and it does, and it is used sometime in Scripture in regard to physical persecution for your faith, and they did face that. But let me tell you something. It's not incorrect for us. To understand this is an under, understand this in this way, pressure. And here's the truth: every Christian faces pressure. And let me also say this: in the world, pressure is built. I, I told you last week I chose to clean the garage rather than listen to what was what was on the news. And and I got to tell you that a lot of the stuff that I've heard, and that's why I stopped listening near as much and looking more at facts and trying to look at numbers as they go up and go to the CDC and other websites to find out what's going on because here's the truth. The world increases pressure. They tell you, well, we're taking care of the situation and we've got it under control, and, and here's the truth. I know they don't. And I know that they don't know what's going on because they've never faced this before either. So what do they do? Well, they try their best to give peace when in reality they just increase pressure on people. Do you know that it was after the president first spoke that, th that people really started to get panicky about things? That's when you had the toilet paper problems, by the way. It's all the president's fault. <laughs> He's blamed for everything else these days anyway. So uh, let's just put it on upon him, you know? Well, why do we have these, why do we have these problems? Because you know what? He spoke trying to give people assurance that we got this under control and it caused panic. You know why? Because the world gives pressure. That's all the world can provide. The world can't provide real lasting peace, can't provide the peace Jesus is talking about here. What is comforting is that the peace Jesus brings can handle stress at the highest level, no matter how bad it is. 
by the way, it's not as bad as everyone's making it look. Uh, that, that was free. You need to hear that, and you need to know that need to be reminded. It's not as bad as everyone's making it look. It is bad in some places. And, and the news we hear is, is like all about the worst-case scenario. New York City, as far as the United States is concerned, or New York, as far as the United States is concerned. But the world isn't ending. Sky isn't falling. It's not as bad as they say, but the truth is the world only offers pressure. In the world, we find pressure, and it'll tear you apart unless you have something within to calm you, and Jesus has it. Cheer up! Jesus has it. He's got the secret. The world will bring tribulation. The world cannot give this peace. Turn, if you will, back to chapter 14. Look at verse 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. And then what does he say? It's interesting that both times when he talks about peace in this passage, he mentions something about the world, doesn't he? First time he says, in the world you have tribulation. So if you want to argue that is that the world will hate Christians and will, will persecute them, that's accurate and it's true. And it was evidenced in the church and quite honestly it's evidenced still today. And it's probably going to get worse as we get further away from God and his truth in America. That is a fact that we need to know. But Jesus said this, I've got peace for you, and you know what? It's nothing like the world has to offer. So the world can offer a peace, but it's not a lasting peace. And quite honestly, um, there's no guarantees with it, right? Everything that they've said, some people I say, well, quite honestly, I've listened to the government, and it's been kind of encouraging to me. I, I honestly don't know how you got that. But if you got that, wonderful. I'm glad you did. But let me tell you something. They aren't guaranteeing anything, and they can't. Because the truth is, there's a lot of unknowns. They don't know. But there are no unknowns with my God. And my God says, I have got peace for you, unlike anything this world can offer you. Here's the truth. There is no news report that can encourage your heart and give you peace like this book. None. None. There's no government official. There is no stimulus package that can meet your needs and give you peace like this book can. And if you're neglecting it, you're neglecting the place where peace is and the person who has it to give. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And then he says, again, not as the world giveth. This is unique. It's different. The world may provide peace for a time. The world may provide a little bit of security. The world may say, I've got this under control, and you may actually believe them. But Jesus had something far different, a peace, let me tell you, that can take you through the valley of the shadow of death. Didn't we talk about that last week? All the way through that to the very end and calm your heart. And there is no peace that this world can give you like that. Cheer up. Cheer up. See, it's not in a place. It's not in the world. It's not in what they say. It's not in what someone can do for you. It's not in what someone can provide for you. It only gives so much stimulus, you know. It's in a person. If you look at what he says in verse 27 of chapter 14, I know we've left uh, chapter uh 16, but, well, let's go back to chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, listen to these words, that in 
me, you might have peace. So how am I going to have peace? How am I going to be comforted? How am I going to find it? That's why I said last week, it's where we look. I got to get in the book that tells me about Jesus. I've got to develop my relationship that, that, um, that is going to provide me with peace because in Jesus, there's peace. Not as the world gives. And he promises it. Go back to verse 27 of chapter 14. Peace I leave with you. In John chapter 14 and verse 18, he said these words, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Now, some would argue that that goes back to verse 16 and 17, and it's true, the comforter came, and the comforter provided comfort. He does, on a daily basis, which is part of this piece, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, I didn't hear it, love, joy, yeah, it is, it's peace. So that's part of his ministry. That's part of his work. But in verse one, in verse um, 18, when he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Uh, he, was, he was sharing with the truth. He was promising the fact that he would provide peace. Literally, the word means, uh, he says, I won't leave you comfortless. Literally, it means bereaved, parentless, or an orphan. So that, look. When I become part of the family of God, at eight, when I became at age seven, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, um, I was no longer orphaned. I wasn't parentless. I wasn't bereaved. He's never going to leave me alone, and it's in his presence I receive peace. Um, how does this whole discourse begin? Chapter 14 and verse 1. Say that first phrase with me. You know it. You don't even have to look. You shouldn't. Let not your heart be troubled. Cheer up. Don't be controlled. Jesus promised it. He promised peace. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. David said that back in Psalm 29, verse 11. And it's still true today. And Jesus said it would be true. What's true for the Old Testament saints is true in a real way, in a much more real way for the believer today. He promises it. He provides it. Look at verse 27 again of chapter 14. Peace I leave with you, and then this peace, my peace I give unto you. Imagine that you have a relative die, you go to the lawyer's office, and what do they do? They read the will. So... In the reading of the will, your uncle or whoever leaves the car to you. What does that mean? Well, it's something, first of all, he didn't take with him. And it's something that becomes your possession. So, no one can claim it. No one can take it unless you make the choice to give it away because it becomes yours. So, Jesus said, look, my peace, I'm giving to you. If you don't have it, it's because you're choosing not to have it. It's not because it hasn't been given. Cheer up! Jesus has peace in the midst of difficulty. And he has promised to leave it and to give it. First idea was he was leaving it behind, kind of like the will, you know? All right, all right so I'm going to have peace all the way to the end, and then when, when I leave... I'm going to leave this here. 
Isn't that a, way, a wonderful way to look at peace? That Jesus Christ had it. Here's the idea. I'm going to be all alone, but I'm not alone. Father's with me. I have it. And when I no longer need it, I'm going to leave it behind. So you can take the car of peace and have the title to it, and it can be yours. Isn't that great? Isn't that a precious idea? My peace, I leave with you. I'm leaving it behind. I have it. I've got it. And I want you to enjoy it. Cheer up. And then he says, I'll give it. He didn't just leave it, but he gave it. Relatives fight over possessions left behind. A will sorts things out, but sometimes it's an all-out battle between greedy people to get what they want. But here's the thing. Every Christian can claim it. Every Christian. That's what's great. He's talking to all his followers, and he's saying, hey, I'm leaving it behind. You can take it if you want it. It's my gift. I don't know about you, but uh, that's great news. Great news. Cheer up. Man, there's a reason to smile today. There is. And I'm not just talking about the mile-wide smile that TV preachers put on. There is a reason to rejoice today. Because God has left something. So how do you secure it? Ah, go back to chapter 16 and verse 33. Securing peace. Just because it's left, just because he gave it as a gift, doesn't mean that I know it automatically. You say, well, can I really prove that from the Bible? Absolutely. Colossians 3.15 says this, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Securing peace is not something I just, okay, yeah, he's got it for me. Woo, cheer up. Peace is not something that I try to grab, but peace is in scripture. I don't even have time to go into all the scriptures, but it's a byproduct of doing what God has told me. And as I do it, I get it. As I yield to God, I get it. As I let the peace of God rule my heart, I get it. As I pray rather than worry, I get it. Jesus in verse 33 said, These things I have spoken unto you that in me I might have peace. How do you secure it? Well, before I give you those answers, let me just say this. The lost can have peace. And I want you to know this morning that there are some people, um, maybe not in this room, okay? Maybe in this room, I don't know. But there are some people who don't know peace and who can't know peace because they don't know Jesus Christ. And so I don't want to fail to mention this because he's the source of peace. He's the place you can have peace. Therefore, just being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Jesus Christ offers a peace with God that no man can give because no man can take care of sin like Jesus could. And so this morning, I want you to know, whether you're listening in or whether you're here, that Jesus offers peace as a gift. It does come, and it starts first by being part of the family of God. The lost, lost people can know peace. They can. It's not going to be in the world. You can't find it in the world. You can't get it anywhere. can't buy it at Walmart. Probably wouldn't be on the shelves anyway if it was, if it was there. You can't get this anywhere. Only on TV. No, no, you can't get it anywhere except from God, from Jesus Christ. He has it. So how do you get this peace? Realize that you don't have peace with God. 
that you're not at peace because you're a sinner and you've been separated from God and God says, I cannot have fellowship with and I cannot provide peace to someone who's not part of my family. Understand that you aren't part of his family. You were born not part of his family. Just as everyone was born not part of his family, I was born as one who was not part of his family because I'm a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God says that I am a sinner and I deserve the wage of my sin, which is death. I deserve to be sentenced to hell eternally. But Jesus Christ came to die that I might have peace with God and be at peace with God by having my sins forgiven. If I will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as my Savior understanding that I'm a sinner. I can't do anything to save myself. Baptism won't save me. Church attendance won't save me. Uh, Being a good person won't save me. Living a decent moral life won't save me. I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. And the only one who can give me peace is Jesus Christ. And I understand he died on the cross for my sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And I believe that he is the Savior of the world. And if you will receive Jesus Christ and call upon the name of the Lord, you can know peace with God. And you need to know peace with God because Jesus has peace to give. But what he's talking about here in this passage isn't peace for lost people. It's peace for believers. So how does it come? Christians can enjoy his peace. Well, where does it come and how is it going to, how is it going to come about? Well, verse 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. Now, Jesus Here's the question, was Jesus at peace in this passage? He was. And yet if you look at what was coming, he had every right humanly to be disturbed. Verse 33 explains what was coming. So what was the difference? Here, here first truth, contemplate his presence. Why did Jesus say, I'm okay, even though I'm going to be all alone, even though I'm going to die, my hour has come. Even though those things are true, I'm okay. Cheer up. He said it because he knew the reality of his father's presence. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Those are the words that God gives us in the book of Hebrews to encourage our hearts. Look, some people have been contemplating the the circumstances, they've been contemplating the news, they've been contemplating everything, and they just haven't thought about the fact that, look, Jesus is with you if you're part of his family. He's with you. Contemplate his presence. Take some time to think about that. Hey, I know what's coming. I, by the way, we don't know that. Jesus did. But Jesus said, I know what's coming, but I've got, I've got peace anyway. And I'm going to leave it with you. I'm going to make it available. It's going to be my gift to you. You can enjoy it, but you've got to contemplate his presence. I love Hebrews 13, 5, because that's where it says, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse 6 says this, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. A Christian who is confident God is with him is a Christian who can live in peace. And throughout Scripture, we have promises of God being with his own and caring for them. 
Fear thou not, for I am with thee, Isaiah 41.10 says. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Social distancing may push us away from people, but we're not alone with Jesus Christ. Cheer up! Ponder his presence. Number two, this is going to sound like last week. Control who you listen to. Say, what? Look back at our text this morning. These things have I spoken unto you that in me he might have peace. Where's peace? What Jesus has spoken. I'm telling you, you watch the news reports, you're going to be down. Disturbed. You, you, you listen to all the prognosticators. Ooh, that's a nice, impressive word, isn't it? About what's what what they're prognosticating about. And I'll tell you, you're gonna be really concerned. So think about what he's spoken. I asked the question last week, and I ask it again, and it sounds like a broken record, right? But this is another passage, a different place, where God tells us the same thing. He says, control who you're listening to. I've spoken these words unto you. If you'll ponder what I've said, if you'll think about what I've said, if that will be your meditation. I'm telling you, not on my authority, but on the basis of God's word, is is who you listen to is is how you're going to handle this. I I know I know I know lots of Christians. It bothers me. I know lots of Christians who are controlled by this. They are. They're living in fear. It's unbelievable the stuff that's going on. And and we're not talking about we're not talking about a lost world. You'd expect maybe them to be all tossed about because they don't know where they're going to spend eternity. We're talking about Christians who are like locking themselves and barricading themselves in. Man, life's over. What happened? Who'd you stop listening to? Who who are you listening to? Look, look at what he says. These things have I spoken unto you. So get back in the book. Control who you listen to. Um, so many scriptures can calm the heart and give peace to the weary believer. Get in the book. The world gives pressure, anguish, affliction. The world, the word offers peace. Ah, third thing, communicate your concerns to him. Communicate your concerns to him. Again, it sounds like last week, doesn't it? But he said this, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. These words at least direct us to prayer. You say, why? Because it's Christ where I get peace. So obviously part of knowing peace is going to be in communicating with him and letting him communicate with me. The closer I am, the more in him I am, the more I know peace. The more I walk with him, the more I talk with him, the more I hear from him, the more I pay attention to what he has to say. I have peace. And you say, well, well, if you don't want to try to, if you say we can't prove it from that passage, he said in verse 24 of this same chapter, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. 
And if that still doesn't convince you of that fact, then you can turn to Philippians 4, 6, and 7 sometime later and be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Cheer up! Talk to him about it. Concentrate on your relationship with him. Number four, it's in me. You find peace. Again, say it. Uh, the closer you are, the more you know peace. This truth is suggested in Galatians 5.22, where the fruit of the Spirit is. I'll say it again. Love, joy. Oh, come on. i got to make sure you're awake this morning. Love, joy, peace. So it's going to come as I walk with him. A preacher of days gone by said, look away from yourself or you will do one of two things equally bad. It will either depress you unduly or it will swell you with foolish presumption. In either case, your soul will suffer. Look off from the world, from man, from self, from everything and gaze on Christ. Cheer up. Cheer up. Cheer rests in a relationship. John Newton, you know, the one who wrote Amazing Grace, also wrote this. He cheers my heart, my wants, supplies, and says that I shall shortly be enthroned with him above the skies. Oh, what a friend is Christ to me. What a friend we have in Jesus. Develop your friendship, your closeness to him, and you will find peace. And then contemplate his power. Contemplate his power. The world offers persecution, right? The world offers tribulation, pressure. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus came into a world that hated him. He still had peace. Jesus came into a world that was opposed to him all the time, but Jesus had peace. Jesus came and dealt with the people that were obstinate and weren't listening and were hardened in their heart and weren't willing to accept him as the Messiah, but Jesus still had peace. Jesus Christ said, I have overcome the world. And throughout his life, he overcame the world. And he could tell them, I have peace. And I, I want you to cheer up because you can have peace as well. I'm giving it to you. So cheer up, contemplate his power, his ability to overcome the wicked, the wicked one, to overcome the, the thing. And then uh, to consider the fact that he could say this, I have overcome the world, and he hadn't yet died and was buried and rose again. But it was a done deal. It was already accomplished. He had already finished it. So he could say, in essence, hey, I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So why, why do you got a frown on your face today? Why are you so sullen? Why are we under the circumstances of life and despairing and depressed? Cheer up. I've overcome the world. Ponder his power. If he rose from the dead and the plans of a world controlled by sin were thwarted by Jesus Christ, why should I worry about coronavirus? Seriously. That's nothing. Cheer up. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. I have overcome the world. Cheer up. Cheer up. Cheer up. Christ did not say, I have overcome, therefore you shall not have your tribulation, the preacher said. 
He said, I have overcome, you shall have tribulation. Paul knew the practical power of this verse, saying we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. He went on, as Daniel was not kept from the lions then, but brought through it, so the Christian is kept by the power of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And since we are more than conquerors, we can be of good cheer. Yes, we can go further than that, and we can glory in tribulations also. God's victory doesn't remove trouble, but it gives us what we need in trouble. I have overcome the world. Cheer up. Cheer up. Conquer any doubts. Conquer any doubts. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, when you already know the end results, it makes all the difference in the world in regard to peace and comfort. The guy talked about how he used to live in Hawaii. In Hawaii, they would always tape games because the games were played at a time in America, NFL games, football games, that were a lot earlier than when they could be broadcast and actually watched by people. So they would tape the games, and then they would show them that night on Monday Night Football, I think he was talking about. He said this. He said, my favorite team, since I couldn't wait to find out the results, I'd listen on the radio because the radio did it live. So during the afternoon or early morning or whenever the game was, he would he would listen to it on on, on the radio. He paid attention. He already knew what the results were. And he says, you know, then I could watch the game at night. And he said, if my team fumbled, who cares? I already knew the end result. I knew what was happening. I knew they won. So, hey, oh, man, they fumbled the ball. Is it, man, they fumbled the ball, but it didn't matter. He could have peace at all times during the game because, look, he knew the end result. He already knew what happened. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I already know what I I, I know the end result. Look, people, I know the end result. I, I'm not I, I'm not looking to go to heaven necessarily tomorrow, but I know the end result. I I certainly don't want to go a painful way, but I know the end result. Christ has overcome the world. Cheer up. You need that today? I, I did. And the words of Jesus Christ are so encouraging. Cheer up. Cheer up. I've overcome the world. May we find, may we find his peace in our day. Because it's still available. Father, thank you so very much that your peace is given.